0: It's been a few years, as we talked about, you've been on the podcast, which, by the way, was a hugely educational conversation, as as I recall it. So, I highly recommend anyone listening to us today to go back and replay these episodes, which are the TTU series, uh, episode 89 and 90. Um, but what is also interesting is that when we uh, had our conversation, one of the things we talked about was your first book, uh, Systematic Trading, And I even, I think, got you to read a part of the beginning because it all kind of takes uh, a beginning in terms of uh, you describing what took place back in early 2009 at the height of the financial crisis. And uh, it clearly illustrated, uh, you know, the difficult, uh, stressful periods in the markets and, and how difficult it was for you to make good decisions. Uh, and I think last week or the last couple of weeks is is easily at the same scale in terms of uncertainty in the market. So I would love to just for you to start out by telling a little bit about, you know, going back to 2009 and the challenges you faced back then and how that contrasts to the past week or two in terms of how you've dealt with it uh, and um, and and dealt with the volatility, uh, you know, from, from that point of view.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people have been making comparisons between now and 2008 nine, which you know is obvious because it's the last crisis that most of us can remember um but this is quite a different crisis um so in the kind of fancy language of economists i think you could describe 2008 as an endogenous crisis so the kind of stress came from within the system the, the kind of financial system became over leveraged and ultimately that was always going to lead to its, its downfall um, and the the actual um, way that things played out in the markets happened relatively slowly. I mean, we had the first kind of stress of the um, you know the, the hedge funds linked to Bear Stearns in kind of February two thousand and seven, and that was probably the first kind of indication that, that things were starting to crack. You know, and then we had bank runs in the UK later that year. Um, although interestingly, if you look at the equity market, it kind of held its value fairly well until obviously. Mid two thousand and eight, when it, it did start to plunge, um, but even then, you know, look at, looking at how the you know the equity market sold off in late two thousand and eight, and comparing it to what's happened over the last few weeks, the acceleration um, and the speed of the downturn that we've seen in the last few weeks has been phenomenally faster. Um, you know, we we've, we've there was, you know, I said to you guys before we started speaking that a few weeks ago I, I was on a, a skiing holiday in northern Italy. And everything was fine, um, and I think the S and P probably hit a record high around that time, and now we are a few weeks later, and we've seen these these savage moves come almost out of nowhere. Um, so, in many ways, it has been quite a different um, crisis because it's come from outside and it's affected the markets much more quickly, and and uh, you know, and the speed of the downturns has been has been much quicker. Um, that does mean that some of the things that that you kind of hope Will happen in a crisis as a trend follower haven't necessarily happened. Um, so you know, you, you, in 2008, the sell-off was slow enough that that you know most CTAs were able to get short equities and long bonds, and and therefore you know deliver very good returns in in kind of Q3 and Q4 of, of 2008. Um, and you know, listening to you guys just now, you're kind of like, well, we're kind of flat, you know, small down, you know, in my own kind of trend following portfolio, I'm small up. Um, it's not what you'd expect, which is this kind of quote unquote, crisis alpha, right? It's not the the big outsized um you know, negative correlation to equities that you'd hope to get this sort of insurance policy effect. Um, so you know, it's all very well going back to two thousand and eight, but actually, this does feel like something quite different.
0: yeah, no I mean, I you know not to interrupt your flow here, but I would say I mean, it's interesting what you bring up here, but to me, we're three weeks into the crisis and actually when we go back and I look, if I look up at the two largest drawdowns in the MSCI World Index, uh, which was, of course, the dot-com bubble uh, and and the financial crisis, um, those two crises are, are, are quite interesting because if I look on, on our side, our own performance, one of the crises, we start making money straight away. Uh, and this is on monthly data, right? Not daily data, but on monthly data, we start making money straight away. The other one, we um, it took us a few months before we started making the money from from when the equity market hit the high and, and went into its drawdown. But we ended up making more money uh, at the end of the uh, uh, drawdown for the equity. So for me, the last three weeks is, yes, it's a crisis because of what's happened. But but this is just, I mean, if, if this is a real crisis, this is just the beginning, meaning from a trend-following point of view, I don't expect anyone, except for the short-term guys, to have designed systems to make money from this three-week period or two-week period. It's for the next 18 months or so, we're going to show that non-correlation or negative correlation, ideally, if it continues. So I just want to put that in because I I, I don't want to make it sound like that um, that we would be expected to make money when something like this happens, I don't think necessarily trend followers can do that uh, yeah. from a design point of view I mean
1: that's exactly the point I was trying to make yeah. I guess um, the, the, um, I, think, cause I think what you're going to see over the next few days is articles in the financial press saying oh my goodness, you know, CTAs which are supposed to deliver this crisis alpha haven't done that you know, uh, uh, they're probably on, on average the index is going to be flat for last week um, and I'm just, I think we need to reinforce the point that there's a very good reason for that, which is the speed we've yeah. seen. Um, I did a couple of um, quick kind of back of the envelope exercises this morning before we, we started. Uh, one was to use a very simple moving average crossover, um, 16 and 64 days on the S&P 500. Um, and that, that crossover um, went kind of flat on, I think, um, something like March the 3rd. Um, so you know before that it would have been long um, and then this week it, yes it would have been short but it only you know it's only just crossed over so the the size of the position before we even talk about vol scaling you know mm. um, would have been very very modest so um, you know most, most people would not have been significantly short equities last week um, I would say based on that uh, and the other thing I did was just look at the um, performance of my own portfolio on a day-by-day mm-hmm. basis against the S&P 500 um, and it looked to me, just, just by eye, this is not a quantitative exercise by any means, but just by eye, um, it looked like I went from having kind of a, a long beta to S&P 500, in other words, on a day-by-day basis, you know, when the S&P 500 was making money, so was I, um, to having a, a, a sort of short a negative beta um, around the same time. But the magnitude of of the beta was small. So you know, as things stand today, I've, I'm I'm kind of net across my whole portfolio. I've got a net negative exposure to the S&P 500, not necessarily because I have a short in the S&P 500. I don't, as it happens, I'm flat like like you said. But you know, the the exposure overall kind of gives that effect. Um, but that's it's not a it's not a big short. You know, it's still quite modest. And you're you're right. If things continue to play out. Um, then I would expect that negative beta to increase, and I would expect the crisis alpha to come in. But but I think um, being flat last week isn't bad. You know, it's not a bad outcome, to be honest.
0: No, no. You know, no as, as trend followers, we're always at the risk of the whipsaw, right? And just because of the speed that we just had, maybe that whipsaw risk... Is pretty elevated these days. Uh, you know, I just mentioned the short Bitcoin. I mean, you're getting short Bitcoin below five thousand, and uh, you know, maybe the thing's going to be trading at ten thousand by the end of next week. We don't know. Maybe equities will have a massive reversal. Um, but like you say, Niels, maybe it goes the other way, and those trends continue, and it it does deteriorate from here. We we don't have that crystal ball, but the whipsaw risk is is definitely there, and it's pretty high. Yeah, and also, you know, when you design portfolios, obviously we're going to get into portfolio construction uh, from the from from your uh, point of view, Rob, but, but when you as an investor are trying to design a portfolio of CTAs, I mean, you don't want every one of your CTAs or trend followers to be the same, right? You want some of those short-term guys who would have done or should have done really well this week because it was their environment. And then you want some medium-term and maybe some long-term guys that will then carry the torch, so to speak, as the crisis or as the trends... Uh, continue um, and, and where daily volatility may not, you know, be stopping you up and, and whipsawing you. So it's all about um, true, in my opinion, true diversification across, you know, different things, of course, from a portfolio level, but within the CTA space, different types of strategies and really work out what drives the performance of each uh, manager that you uh, engage with. Uh, so, you um, and and actually, what just just to stay on that topic for five seconds more, and that is, I think one of the mistakes that people have made uh, in in recent past is that they look at the performance of trend followers and say, oh, they're all very highly correlated, so they must be doing the same thing. But a period like this will show you that no, just because you're highly correlated doesn't mean your returns are correlated. Uh, they can be very very different. Um, so there, I mean, this is actually a great time to learn. Uh, it's it's you know of, you know I want to be respectful because I think a lot of people lost a lot of money in the last couple of weeks. I don't want to make it sound like we're smug and and we're you know happy that this happened, but it's just a learning experience um, that is very important for everyone to uh, internalize and study and and uh, as as the saying goes, I mean we 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 learn the best uh, from 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 the biggest challenges we face, and I think this for investors will be. One of the biggest challenges that they have faced in a long time, and let's not forget one thing, and that is a lot of the people sitting on the trading floors today, many of them has never experienced the financial crisis. they have never seen volatility like we saw the last you know few days. that also plays a, a factor uh, in all of this <laughs>